<laughs> Hello and welcome. We have a fantastic show for you today. Um, it's been a while and we've got some new backgrounds and we're employing some new streaming technology and we're really putting some time and effort into making a nice show just that little bit more awesome. So today on the show we have German. So <laughs> if you'd like to learn to speak German like I do, um, we have Martina on the show today and she's absolutely amazing. Um, she talks to us about Viva, she talks to us about Teams, she talks to us about compliance and it's just a really, really good episode and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Nick? It's going to be a crack of a show. You get to hear me speaking German for probably the first time ever and uh, you realize that we've got two very different German accents. Obviously, mine is the correct one, although we won't say that while Martina is there. <laughs> no, but you must remember she's, not, she's Austrian. She's Austrian. She's Austrian. She's and Austrian. And again... Fantastic guest. Yeah, I know. Fantastic. Super awesome. And I'm actually sorry that Chris missed it. To be honest, um, I know how hard it has been the past year, year and a half, where the fact that we can't go anywhere, we can't talk on anything, and that whole social interaction is just not there. And it's an amazing point that Martina raises, is that we can't just sit down around a table and talk anymore. Um, so I think that's something that we need to keep in mind when we're listening to all these things, when we're holding these debates, is that sometimes just sitting around a whiteboard just makes so much, makes just so much sense. Yeah. Enjoy the show. Hallo und willkommen bei einer neuen Episode von den Cloud Architects Podcast. Heute mit Martina Grom. Hallo und willkommen, Martina. Hallo, Nikolaus. Ich freue mich sehr, hier heute dabei zu sein und ich freue mich immer, dich zu sehen, weil wir ein sehr spezielles Verhältnis haben, weil ich erst gelernt habe, dass du auch Deutsch sprichst, obwohl du in Südafrika lebst und mich immer auf Englisch ja. angesprochen hast, bis du dich irgendwann einmal zu erkennen gegeben hast, dass du sehr gut verstehst, was wir untereinander so sprechen. <lacht> so, the first question I'm going to ask, first question I'm going to ask is, how do I pronounce this? Is it Audi or Audi? Audi. Audi. Okay, cool. So I'm a German supporter. We're here today. Love you guys. <lacht> So for the bilingual hello. introduction, hello and welcome to the Cloud Architects podcast today with Martina Grom, who's introduced herself very eloquently in German. Obviously, Warren Dutoy joins us. Hello, Warren. Hello. Hello. Chris. <laughs> hello. Perfect. Chris couldn't join us today, but we have the wonderful, the lovely, the very inspiring Martina Grom with us. So welcome, Martina. Thanks for the invitation. This is one of the shows I really wanted to be in and I was so happy to get finally an invitation from you guys. Thank you. Oh, what an honor. Thank you. So I want to, before we go into our topic for today, I'd really like mm -hmm. to talk about you and unpack you for our audience because there's a lot to Martina. There's Martina, the, the business owner, Martina, the consultant, Martina, the MVP, Martina, the regional director. So why don't you give us a quick introduction to Martina? Yeah, so my name is Martina Grom. I'm living in Vienna, which is in Austria. 
uh, I'm not from Germany. Many people just think I'm from Germany, but it's just a German-speaking region, Switzerland, Austria, and Germany. And I work in IT since quite a while, and I'm, I'm very passionate about Microsoft technologies. And this brought me into founding my own company, which is part on software development and part on consulting deployment. And then I got very passionate about cloud technologies in Microsoft. And this was back in 2008. And it was kind of a fun story because one guy from Microsoft said at the strategy call, he said, this is the direction Microsoft will go. We think about cloud technologies. And you should sign up there. And I signed up. I think we were the first cloud partner in, in, in Europe back then. And then I said, okay, I signed up. What's next? And they said, yeah, we are not ready yet. And then I tried the first products, which was based back then. It was Forefront Online Protection for Exchange. And you guys Oof. probably know that. Yes. Yes. And I started working with that, and I started blogging about that, and so on. And that brought me the MVP award in 2011. And many of you probably don't know, because it's the 10th birthday, the official birthday of Office 365 now, with beginning of July. Yeah. And I was awarded for Office 365 MVP. We were eight back then, and it was my first time we traveled to Redmond, and it was kind of a, oh, I'm in Wonderland now, and can talk to all those people, and so on. And everyone looked at us and said, oh, those are the cloud guys. Hmm, we don't need them. Yes. Yeah, on-premises will stay forever. No one will ever go into the cloud. And this is kind of the journey. And six years ago, I also got the regional director title, or I, I, I do not like to call it an award because it's not an award for me. It's kind of a helping bringing the strategy and the vision of Microsoft back to executives and talk on a broader level about the topics you love. And currently, I do a lot around Microsoft Azure, security compliance, and also um, from my history, I was always a big enterprise social fan. For instance, Yammer. So this is why all the exchange people love me so much. And that also brings me to the whole experience around what is the user doing and what can he do? And now it's called employee experience. What's the best way to be there and so on. So this is the Martina story. We have an office in Austria and Vienna. We are 12 people. We, are, we try to be really focused on what we can do. And we are not doing any jobs we can't do. So we are not very good in infrastructure service or in on-premises stuff anymore. But for the cloud, it's, it's good for us. Mm. Mm. That's a wonderful introduction. And let me, with that, introduce the, the topic for today that we've asked you to speak on. And you've kind of hinted at it in terms of employee en engagement. Our topic for today is Microsoft Viva. Mm -hmm. 
So there's quite a lot, I think, that we can do to unpack and a lot of folks who are listening to the show, or even watching the show on, on YouTube, thank you for everyone who's watching, will know about Viva, but Viva is another Microsoft product. But what is Viva? Is it one thing? Is it four things? Is it employee engagement? Is it why do I care? So where do we even start? What is Microsoft Viva? So, so from my perspective, Viva is, is a name for a service which um, has a bundle of specific services into it. And what I really like about Viva is it's built on top of other services. So it's nothing new. It's not a new product. And by the way, Microsoft 365 isn't a product either. It's a service which you can consume. And when you think about that, it made totally sense to bring additional value to Microsoft 365 because many companies think, okay, I have now Exchange and SharePoint and OneDrive and Teams and so on, but I need more value in the service itself. And we learned that a lot. And we have seen with Yammer, we brought the social aspect into Microsoft 365. And with Teams, we brought more collaboration and communication into that. But then I speak a lot with customers who also say, okay, but I have blue-collar workers and I have employees which do not have access to the system. And we have specific services we need to connect. And how can we do that? And we're looking for an employee app. I heard that a lot in the last two years. And this is kind of a benefit of Viva because Viva is like another, um, you can collect all that information for your employees in one single app. And this is also something what um, is really beneficial because, and you guys know that, can you, dear Microsoft, can you just provide me the one single tool with which I can do everything? For a very long time, it was Outlook. You can do everything with Outlook. Mm. Project management, emails, see? <laughs> no, you can't. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. See, Mr. Exchange over here. <laughs> Martina, tell him, tell him you can't. It's over now. It's, it's like people are trying really hard to bring everything into Outlook. So oh, yeah. document management and so on. And now with um, kind of the same story started with, from my perspective, with Microsoft Teams. Mm -hmm. Can I please bring everything into Teams? Because I, I need one single client which provides me everything. And the clever thing about the Teams client is you can add apps. So from a user perspective, it's one client with different tabs. And this is what users really love and like currently. That sounds like Viva is an add-in to Teams, or am I misunderstanding that? It's, it's for me, so there are four different pillars of Viva. So you have, so from a Microsoft perspective, they call it, we have Viva Connections, which is kind of the employee experience topic. You can call it an intranet with a social element in that. And you can integrate all of that into your Teams app. 
in a specific tab here. And then you have, beside that, you have Viva Insights, which is kind of an advanced my analytics scenario. And we had really a hard time around my analytics. Why do you, do you need that? Why should I do that? And so on. And now it's called Viva Insights and Insights brings you a value around that. How do you feel? Do you have an interaction with your colleagues? Do you need, do you need me to book focus time for you? I see your calendars full, full and you can learn a lot about that. And the third element around that is Viva Topics. And Viva Topics brings search and knowledge management into the whole Microsoft 365 universe. And I got a lot of discussions because currently I'm living in a German speaking area and Viva Topics is currently English only till the end of the year. Germany is not here yet. So many of my customers, they say it brings no value for me. Yes, of course, it can't because it's not tracking the information. And on the other side, if you speak with English speaking customers or tenants with English content in it, it brings a lot of value because it brings kind of a knowledge management system with a topics experience in here. And it's a huge benefit for new employees to get onboarded faster learn about the company, learn about the terms in the company, learn about the project there. And the fourth experience within the Viva family is Viva Learning. And currently, this is what I do not know a lot about because it's not here yet. It's announced, but you can't try it, but it will bring the learning experience into that. And this is also, this is, extremely important for people who say, okay, I have, um, for instance, I have a learning platform, I have an e-learning platform, I need anything around that. So, okay, this is me. And when you, you know, like something I also sort of tripped and fell on when I was going through my insights was mm -hmm that there's a lot of additional bits and pieces that have sort of been added in, right? So mm -hmm. like when it gets to, let's say, it doesn't get to, let's say four o'clock or six o'clock in the evening, but it knows when my meetings are finished. And then mm -hmm. it, what it does is it goes and it says, would you like to start your virtual commute? Mm -hmm. Now, something that Nick said is, is it a pandemic product? And you kind of say, well, okay, hold on a minute. Maybe it was born into the pandemic because of the pandemic but maybe mm -hmm. it's scratching an itch that we sort of all had because sometimes mm -hmm. we just sort of sit there and we're like okay well maybe if i just answer this and i do that and i mean to check this email and then the next thing you know our family is calling us for dinner and um, this thing sort of pops up and says well start your virtual commute um even take some headspace if you'd like right why don't you have a quick meditation give it a nice 10 minutes and then when you go meet your family later you might be a better person <laughs> mm -hmm. but, so i mean there's a lot of those additional bits and bobs that they're sort of adding into um that like it's been let's say a year year and a half since the whole covid thing and look i don't think everything's going to go back to the way it was and in some case what Insights and Viva is doing is giving us that sort of personal aspect 
of our, I mean, right now, when you wake up in the morning, you come into your office and you check your calendar, it's a calendar, right? But if you check Viva, Viva's like, hey, how's it going? This is your calendar. And this is what you have to do today. Did you know that you have a slot between 12 and one where you can take lunch? And you're like, huh, I actually did not. Thank mm. you for that. I appreciate it. Mm. And then, so like you become more appreciative of uh, your calendar, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, for me, it makes a ton of sense. And I also saw the benefit with my analytics previously and also with Cortana help because it really analyzes your time management. And if you're not the best time manager, it can really bring you a benefit in there that you say, okay, I have time. Can you book me some free time or can you organize me something? Yeah. yeah. And also what I, I use Cortana as well. And in the morning I get an email with, um, nice reminders about hey you said that three days ago you didn't follow up is that the task and this is also very helpful if you have a lot of emails or a lot of communication to do to have that tiny yeah. reminders yeah That's yeah nice. it's incredible and we have to think about what went into that like mm -hmm. you know from an azure perspective we always look at let's say like, like log analytics Mm -hmm. as the, the the center of everything as long as you pump it into a log analytics workspace you will be able to see what's going on whether it's what's going on to the virtual machine what's going on to the sql database and from an infrastructure perspective as long as you've got that information right so now office 365 is continually doing this in the background right and now all they're doing is they're saying well here's a way for you to surface this information we can now tell you what people are doing, where they're doing it. And then that becomes controversial, right? Because some employees don't like that. They're like, why are you analyzing so much what I do and where I'm doing and why I'm doing it? Where perhaps maybe it should be taken on the flip side. And it's going to be like, we care about you. And we honestly think that you are working too hard or you're working too little. It's nothing against you. And they can manage the situation. It allows them to dictate the situation just that little bit differently. Um, you know, I personally don't mind at all. I mean, you have to look at all, all my emails. That's cool. I'm just, that's cool. Just <laughs> tell, tell me what it is that I need to do tomorrow and I'll be more than cool. I'll be there. I'm, I'm still waiting for the service which also actually answers all my emails. That would be great <laughs> to have that kind of service. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> intelligent out of office responder. <laughs> yeah. and, and look again, I mean, you know, um, to digress to different different pieces. I mean, I don't uh, you, you've obviously been to the office dev templates on GitHub, where they've got company communicator, and the remote bot support and all that kind of stuff where Microsoft's made it just so super easy to like broadcast stuff to people. And mm -hmm replacing just everything as it goes along it's like you said earlier okay so we've got sharepoint we've got this and we've got that what else can we do with it and it's just working and which is why i want to ask your opinion on something so being a huge yammer fan the yammer streaming is better than teams live isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is come on 
You gotta agree. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, I think, I think, you know, it's great. That the answer is very simple for me, and this is what I will always say. It's Yammer scales better for huge communications channels. It, mm. it doesn't need to be a huge organization or many people, but it's just more scalable than in Teams. And Teams is for me, Teams is a perfect tool for collaboration within a team, within people you know. It's a teamwork collaboration. And Yammer is a universal tool for a whole organization where you can talk to anyone and you probably don't know who has the answer for you. Mm. Mm. Is, is that the way that, and let me ask you, we, since we're there, we have Teams, we have Yammer, we have mm -hmm. Viva, mm -hmm. and both of you work for two different, radically sized, differently organizations, mm -hmm. right? So Warren, you've got 100,000 people on your gal. Martina, you said you've got 12. What problems, and I don't want to be that guy that says which product because you know we mm -hmm. solve different products with with each one of them i think we mature enough to to establish that so this is not a a yammer war or a team's war what kind of problems do you solve with those three different tools in different sized mm -hmm. organizations so martina you've got 12 warren's got a hundred thousand what should we be considering for different product sizes or sorry, different company sizes for those three products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Warren, do you want to begin or should I begin? <laughs> no, I think you can take this one. Okay. So what I see and, and we started with Yammer straight from the beginning and used it. And Yammer is still in use in our company. And I, I also got the question when Teams was launched, do we need Yammer anymore? Because we're a small-sized company, does it make sense for us? Because we probably can do everything within Teams, which might be right. And Yammer is more the, it's, and this is, I compared it always that time, it's more the information and the knowledge sharing tool for us. It's like a newspaper, it's like sharing news, sharing interesting stuff for all people, sharing knowledge, asking questions and stuff like that. And also more the social stuff like, hey, I've been at that conference, I got some swag, who wants it and so on. So it's more like that, the, the social element here. And this is also the one point I think why Yammer got a lot of attention last year during the pandemic because Yammer brings in a social aspect into an organization which probably teams can't provide. Mm -hmm. and, and then on the other side, we use teams for our day-to-day -day chat, collaboration, document sharing, and so on. We do that in teams. And we also use teams as a group chat tool where we said, okay, we have a daily meeting and during that meeting, we chat and share information as well. And we have integrated the communities app into the Teams clients who have, we have kind of all together. And our people, and this is what, what I learned, they, they know pretty well where to post what 
and not when to use what because they know okay if i need someone i don't know who knows the answer or if i want inform all of us we go into yammer and we do it there and from back to viva from that perspective viva can bring the social aspect and the informational aspect a lot in the communication apps you have here the news of the organization but you also have the yammer part from the communities in there so you have both integrated and you have kind of the newspaper stuff from internal communication if you have any news or anything else and then you also have uh, communication stuff in there through yammer so this is what it is for me so what i'm hearing you say and correct mm -hmm. me if, if i'm wrong is that you are able to see the value of all three tools within the yes. context that they bring for any size organization yes because also and and this is probably kind of the discussion we had in the past years it's it's in the end it's not the tool it's the content which is in the tool and if you do not provide relevant content in teams or if you do not provide relevant content in yammer your users won't use either of them mm. so if you if you are not interesting enough with your content people go away mm. but that's mm. that's it for everything right yes um it, it's the it's the natural it's it's how we as human beings gravitate towards things um yeah. if you have to look at and you know something i find interesting is around let's say age groups as well right mm -hmm. so for instance the new facebook for the younger generation is instagram right yes. and then you've got facebook people like to type a lot right they like to write a story along with the picture as a post whereas instagram's just like bruh or whatever it is and then you know from a twitter perspective twitter's like my news feed right i mean twitter i can go and i can scroll through a thousand tweets and i can see cnn and i can see all that lovely stuff and it's like really all just condensed into this beautiful lovely format that i can go and i can see and so every single one of those things is comfortable for me yes. if i feel like watching reels i'll go to instagram if I feel like communicating with my family, I'll go to Facebook. But then if I'm working, right, generally, okay, now don't get me wrong, the first place I, I go in the morning is Outlook. <laughs> That's because my calendar's there, right? But I, I get exactly what you're saying, is mm -hmm. if the content was different, then I would probably go somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. And so I completely understand, and I, I guess it's one of the reasons why. I mean, like I, I open Yammer this year a lot more than I used to. And mm -hmm. um, I never used to open Yammer nearly as enough. Enough, and then you sort of join these distribution groups um, that are really, really busy. And the next thing you've got like six thousand emails, and you've set a filter, and it goes into a box. And you never ever see it. But mm -hmm. if you go into Yammer, those six thousand emails are in a beautiful feed with everybody that said something, and you can pretty much go through all 6,000 emails like really, really quickly because it's gone and it's aggregated into like this Facebook platform. So I get completely what you're saying. If the content's not there, you're not gonna go. Yeah. And also one of the advantages from Yammer compared to a distribution list is if you join the distribution list, you have the content from the time you join the list. 
and not mm. everything which happened before. If you join a community in Yammer, you have all the content here and you mm. can look at it and learn from it. What and that leads me to my done... next question. Go on. Okay, you go, go you go, you go, you go. All right. I, I wanted uh, to say what both of you have done quite beautifully is describe the benefit that you two are gaining with the advantage of context and the knowledge of that mm -hmm. context. So Warren, you've beautifully, beautifully described how you'd use each one of your different social tools, depending on what kind of problem that you're going to solve. But the thing is that you already you know how to do that. Now, let's look at a, a company who's migrating or for completing platform could be mm -hmm. uh, G Suite, could be Slack, could be something else, or a customer is going to cloud for the very first time. And I know, you know, shock horror, but that still happens. I, I have calls with customers who are talking about considering their cloud journey, and they're getting to this relatively chill landscape, and then they go, there's all these pools, where do I even begin? Yeah. So from a, a beginner's perspective, so what I do with my customers, I ask them, or let it call, we do a workshop and we listen to the customers and we listen where the pain is the largest. Mm. And this is the service we begin with normally. And then we try to go into a cloud adoption story with them because in the beginning, everything looks the same. What's the difference between OneDrive and SharePoint? I don't know. What's the difference between Teams and Yammer? It looks so similar, I don't know. And people need to adopt that and see the benefit for themselves. And it's like, because I talked a lot about relevance, if you have Yammer and you only have cat videos in Yammer, it's probably not important for the dog lovers in your company. Yeah. So it's, it's simple <laughs> it like, like that. Yeah. And, and you see, you can, you can it's, it's all the content. And also, I talked a lot with customers where they said, I, I do not understand our adoption rate is only 30% in Yammer. Why is it? And then I have to explain them, 30% is not bad. Okay, it might be bad from a Microsoft scorecard perspective, but normally <laughs> in a usage perspective, it's, it's okay because many people see the post and they probably do not answer it. It could mm. be okay as well. Mm. Warren, you had a question. I oh, know it was it was it was actually leading just off just after that one is again, obviously before the adoption or even after the adoption. You mentioned that you're moving into, or you do a lot of work nowadays in the security space, mm -hmm. right? And there is so much cool stuff around security that is happening. And it's where you see the lines between Azure and Office 365 sort of start to meld together, um, where a person is a person. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. where they're sort of coming from or what tool they use, that person is that person, and that is the identity that they're gonna use. Um, with information barriers, with labels, with that entire, I don't know, how, 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 how long is um, uh, the IT Office 365 Pros book now that Tony wrote? 
like 700 pages. Mm. <laughs> and then now, now there's a security one that, um, what's his name, helped write? Ah, I've gone Michael blank. Van Horenbeek. Um, From Michael. Yes. Yes. And I mean, we've got a whole book there um, dedicated to just the security aspect of Office 365, right? Um, mm. Like, where do they even start? And why would they start there? And do they even really need it? And when do they get to the point where Microsoft wants to charge them more money for it? Um, because obviously, you know, everything sort of, you know, AADP1, P2, EMS licensing, Intune, all that stuff is like these bolted add-ons and who needs it? Why do they need it? And how much of it has actually changed? Because a lot of it used to be a charged for service and now it's like sort of, okay, well, we'll charge you for this new service, but now we'll give you the old one for free. Mm -hmm. And so how would you even start? I mean, I wouldn't even know, to be honest. I just so, use it. <laughs> so when, when we speak about the, a Microsoft 365 perspective and bringing back for a new customer who is considering moving to the cloud. So my base services would be Microsoft 365 E3 and the, the security add-on at least as a minimum service. But you, you can't make a recommendation bef before you talked with a customer because probably the most painful thing the customer needs to solve is his phone solution. You don't know that. So it's always good to listen to customers and to understand what they want and what they need. And also coming from a modern workplace perspective for us, it's much easier to go and bring them into Azure out of that because if a customer has trust into Microsoft 365, he also has trust into Azure and it's easier for him to understand how that works and how the services works. And currently I have a lot of discussions around Viva topics because many said it's so expensive. Mm. I won't pay the license, but you're paying licenses for knowledge. It has a mm. price tag and it's so easy to consume and to find that. So I think it's a huge benefit, but people need to understand that. I like that. Knowledge has a price tag. That's a cool. It has. It is. <laughs> that should be the that should be the title of the show. Knowledge has a price tag. It's it's like imagine you're new to a company, how long it takes for you to get everything to, to see about the culture, the project, and so on. And topics can help here. So this is what it is. Yeah, the quicker the onboarding process, the more money you save as a business owner. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's taking an interesting turn. Mm -hmm. So I like that we've gone away from we um, uh, we have yet another product and we need to charge some money for it. Oh gosh, it sounds expensive. To well, it's expensive in the context of benefit and if that benefit's mm -hmm. not there then clearly this is the wrong product for you but if the benefit is there then how do you put a price tag on that particular benefit yeah exactly and 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 you all know we had a lot of discussion about the price tag on azure active director premium services mm -hmm. yeah but it's a premium service it brings a lot of value 
and this is what you pay for. So it's for me, it was never a discussion. And I felt pretty lonely, especially among the MVPs, because it was like, give it all to us for free. And I can understand mm -hmm. that the, the organization or Microsoft, they are responsible for providing a good identity solution and the secure identity solution. And this is what you get. So if it's mm -hmm. free, it's probably not high quality or it doesn't bring exactly. the value you need. And that but, actually leads me to another question. Um, as an MVP, RD, for mm -hmm. so long, we've all noticed how vocal you are around specific features, right? Mm -hmm. And when they get released, how they get released, and what gets released. Mm -hmm. And your personal opinion now on the show around is Microsoft making the correct decisions when it comes to which features they choose first um, to release? Are they listening to the user voice? I know it's a rather controversial question, but I mean, again, there's, there's, a, use, there's a user voice for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. And so when people go and hit the plus button on the user voice um, with features, and again, you go and you look at ZDNet or ZDNet with Mary Jo Foley and her comments around Teams feature fatigue and how mm -hmm. there are too many features coming out mm -hmm. at any given time. And then what happens right. is the next person goes and says, ah, but they lost, ah, they, didn't, they didn't bring this one out. But now there's too many features. So which ones do they choose and when? And do you think Microsoft's doing a good job? Is my question. So there are tons of aspects on that question. So speaking, speaking for the MVPs, and I learned a lot about, among that, it's, it's a crowd of people, of experts, and some are more experts in smaller businesses, others are experts in enterprises, and so on. And you get all those different perspectives into a wish list from MVPs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means you have the full spectrum of colors in there, and this is really beneficial. And on the other side, I, I really regret that Microsoft is giving up on user voice because it also gives a voice to the customer. And I had a lot of discussion with my customers. So for instance, a couple of years ago, I had a specific customer who wants encryption in OneNote because they organized their whole organization space and they said, I need information protection on OneNote. And it wasn't there. And I talked with them and I said, okay, what is the business case? Does it make sense to have that? And so on. And we walked the whole story. And in the end, the customer said, yeah, Martina, you are right. It's probably not the right tool I use for all my knowledge management. And I can't bring additional encryption into that. But this is a process you can go with your customer if you're interested in. And from the team's perspective, teams, I think they had a really rough time last year because they need to scale, they need to provide a reliable service and they need to bring in features very fast. And if you are fast, you probably break things. And this is what people need to learn if they are part of the service. It's a right and it's not always a good right. Sometimes it's a bumpy right. And sometimes you don't immediately get what you want, but in the end, and this is why I really 
like what Microsoft is doing, they listen to the customer and they try to provide solutions. I do not agree on, on all solutions. So for instance, I could happily live without a Windows Start button. <laughs> I didn't need it. I didn't need it. But hey, well, now, now, they, now they've put it right in the middle for you. See, and but it's not my you decision. That we are recording this on the first of July, just after Windows eleven. Eleven apparently was never going to happen. Happened, and mm -hmm. um, it's also, as we mentioned, the birthday of Office three six five this week. And coming back to start buttons, what? I thought we weren't ever going to have certain things again, and, and here they are. See? And, and this is also something that Microsoft, Microsoft has a really hard time with um, have compatibility to everything. Old hardware, yeah. even more old hardware, people who still love to use office 2010 and so on and they try to to satisfy everyone which mm. can't happen anymore so i think they are also in a learning process to to move forward and help their customers to move forward mm. and on the other side to also criticize that a little bit is sometimes they are going too fast so Specifically in, in Azure, I see there are services which come into public preview and then they are there Daily. forever mm. in public preview. And then um, I got the information, okay, we, we won't do that anymore because we do not have a lot of attention in here. And it's just hard for people to consume and learn about the services and then they are away. And this is also, for me, it's a trust perspective because if I'm working with Microsoft services, um, I need a reliable service and not something which is in public preview forever. Yes. So, yeah. I have a question Yeah, it for seems you. like I it's a contextual thing. Mm. Yeah. You Sorry, Warren. Um, I have a, a, tr a question for Martina around trust and particularly for German-speaking countries, trust and cloud. And privacy. Was, and privacy. And Microsoft is going to read my mail. I cannot put my information into the cloud. And they still the, don't answer it. And, and so <laughs> we've seen a huge shift in the last few years that German-speaking countries have started adopting cloud is that because the trust culture has shifted? Is it because we've got local data centers in, in Austria and Switzerland and Germany? What happened? It's, it's all of it and none of it. So currently, we still have a lot of GDPR and privacy topics which need to be solved in the German-speaking countries. And I think it's a good topic to, to get attention around privacy, mm -hmm. not collecting everything for any reason. It's like, um, if, if you are SQL guys, it's like querying a database 
and every SQL developer says, okay, select everything from everything. Just give me all the data and I will think about what I really need. And GDPR brings a little bit more clarity. Do I need your birth date for subscribing a newsletter? Or do I need this and that? And on the other side, it's, it's also the mistrust is probably not against Microsoft, but it's against what is governmental doing with our data. Are they spying on us? or not and are they going to aws to google to microsoft and said okay this here's my warrant give me all the data i need so so there is still a lot work to do and i see it specifically now with education education is very difficult and also with workers council it's still kind of a discussion around privacy mm. Mm. So it's, it's a, still a, a journey. Story. It is, yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we, we've had um, in South Africa, our own new law just passed now, or at least it's come into effect now, which is the mm -hmm. PAPIA, which is very similar to GDPR. Mm -hmm. um, look, all things considered, I don't think we have the management capability that uh, European countries will have to enforce this new law. I think it's it's very different, you know, with the different countries that you're sort of going to. Um, but again, you know, um, something that a lot of, I think, businesses and uh, customers don't necessarily understand is that um, Microsoft is providing you a platform mm -hmm. to do with as you see fit to abide by those rules. Mm -hmm. So there are policies to expunge all data if mm -hmm. you so wish. And there are policies to keep all data if you so wish. Now, is that in line with your country? Is that in line with whatever it is that you've made your employees sign? And I guess that there's also sort of that fine line there is because Mr. CEO says, ah, just keep everything. And then what happens is it becomes Microsoft's fault because Microsoft is like, okay, well, we'll give you the ability to keep everything, but it's still the onus is on you to mm. explain to, you, <laughs> to your employees that we are keeping everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's something that I, I guess um, companies are going to grow with as they go on. Um, but then in the interest of time, I would like to say thank you so much for being on the show. And I would also like to ask, can, can you just tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your views on things, how they can get in contact with you, how they can read your posts, what your Twitter handle is. I promise people won't spam you. We generally have a pretty good audience. So my Twitter handle is Magrom, and I really love Twitter because it's the kind of universe and the kind of relevant information I, I like and I find information on it. So Twitter is from all the social tools, still my preferred one. And you can also find me on LinkedIn and connect with me. And I'm blogging on the blog at work.at. 
and I share information there. And yeah, you can also try sending me an email, but I'm not very responsive on emails. <laughs> and yeah, this is where you can find me. And then one last thing, which is going to be completely controversial, is what would you like to say to Tony? <laughs> Is a fair question without yeah to, to know the, the back, backstory? So yes, let's do the backstory. Yeah, um, Tony Redmond and I sometimes agree and sometimes disagree on specific topics. So what I would say to him is, I wish we had the time to sit together in a room and just debate. That would be great. And we didn't do that for and 18 months now. Mm. And I really miss that time as well. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The, the, the sitting around a coffee table at MPP Summit in Redmond, at, yes. in, in the reception of the hotel or wherever it was that you found yourself being, whether it was grabbing a cup of coffee or at the water cooler mm. outside building 33. Ah, yeah, I miss yeah. completely. And, and also to, to tell you a secret around the whole debates we had, sometimes it's just to bring balance into opinions because otherwise it will be a room with one single opinion. And this is probably sure. not, we are a democracy among the MVPs. We mm -hmm. have different opinions and we need to share them. For sure. And that's what makes the MVP community so beautiful. Yeah. Right, is because you have so many diverse opinions. I mean, there's nothing better than sitting in that room with all the other MVPs and they hammer Marcus mm -hmm. Savage or Scott Guthrie because something was thrown away. I mean, if, you, if you've if you ever been in some of those Azure ones, I mean, mm -hmm. I remember we, uh, just the final, final closing one. Remember we were at an MVP summit and there was a controversial conversation that happened yeah, no, it was not even, I'm not going to say anything in here, but it was a team's conversation and the whole room lit up. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. The whole room lit up. Everybody stood up. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was so much fun. I mean, really, I think, I think that's, that's where a lot of the, a lot of the major stuff gets through. Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. Mm. We miss the days when we could travel and hug each other. Exactly. Yes, we that we do indeed. I yeah, and sure. discuss and debate. So yes, 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 yes. Because also, right. you know, you can't detect somebody's tone in text, right? Like the tone oh, of a of a word. And gifts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Before we go too far down that that rabbit hole, Martina, I want to thank you for being fantastic guest of the show. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And um, thanks for the invitation again. And hopefully so we covered all the topics you wanted to discuss. We went a little bit far away from Microsoft Weber as well. But it was still interesting to talk with you. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and that's why we wanted you on the show. We wanted the full Martina experience. And uh, with your permission, mm -hmm. we'd love to have you again. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Before you go just wanted to say thank you for listening we really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet we'd love to hear what you have to say at the cloud arc <laughs>